ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Foley is heading for alien attack. Centurion's ready. Check. Activate eye scanner. Reach outer space aliens or something. <laughs> We're taking off for the stars. There's something behind this, something we don't understand. Hey, uh, we're in a conversation that we're calling uh, aliens, and it really revolves around this idea that Scripture says that when you and I became a Christ follower, when we made that decision to ask Jesus Christ into our life, that something changed, that you and I were so radically transformed that you and I were no longer like our neighbors, that something was completely different about us. And that if you and I continue, though, to live in the style that people around us live, if we be continue to behave the way that people at work behave, if we do everything that our parents did who may not have known Jesus Christ, then you and I are going to end up with the same results. You and I are going to face the same disappointment. We're going to get to the end of our life and have the same regret. And that really uh, what Scripture does is it invites you and I to live in this world like aliens, to say, look, I get it. This is not the home planet. This is, this is not the end of the story. And to begin to live and to think and to behave completely different than the people, the citizens of this world behave. Which, guys, I'm just, at the end of the day, this is radical thinking. This, this sometimes is going to have Others thinking that you and I are a little bit strange, but at the end of the day, you and I were always intended to live like aliens. And so last week we had this conversation, we said, guys, one of the things you and I have got to begin to understand is this isn't home, that, that whatever treasures we amount here, whatever success that you and I have here doesn't transfer it all stays here, and that you and I were to begin to live for things that were eternal, things that go beyond this short 80-year span that we live here, and to live for heaven. This week, we're going to go to a completely different conversation, which is simply this. You and I are not owners. You and I are not owners. Guys, this is an interesting conversation for us because you and I intuitively land in, on the place that says, look, I mean, what, what do you mean I'm not an owner? I mean, I'm the one uh, that had to work for it. I'm the one who had to sit through all the classes at school and up my capacities, and it, I was the one doing overtime. What do, you, what do you mean I'm not an owner? And yet Jesus is going to have a conversation with us today that says you get that that is absolutely wrong thinking. And he's going to invite us to think completely different about our lives, to think in a way that is, ready, that is alien to us, and to discover today that you and I are not owners. There, there's a, a great video clip, and it's an old one. It's from way, way back, uh, just to let you know how old it is. Uh, Jimmy Stewart uh, is in this uh, video clip, but it's from a movie called Shenandoah. And it's I want you to watch it for a moment uh, because Jimmy Stewart obviously uh, thinks he's an owner. Uh, so take a, take a look at this clip. Lord, we, 
What'd I do? Well, it's what you haven't done, boy. A man eats with his hat on is going nowhere in a hurry. Now, your mother wanted all of you raised as good Christians, and I might not be able to do that thorny job as well as she could, but I can do a little something about your manners. Now, shall we? Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We work dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. So it was interesting. We, uh, when we, before service, we were running through that clip, and, and someone uh, who watched it with us just said out loud, I think I've met that guy. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it true that we've all been that guy? That, that, that there's, there's been moments in our lives where we go, wait, 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 God, wait, wait. The only reason I'm where I am is because I took those extra classes. See, the only, the only, the only way I got to where I got is, is because I started at the bottom. I worked darn hard uh, to get to where I am. To, see, see, here's the deal. I got promoted because I put in so much overtime. And, and, and isn't it real that you and I often find ourselves in the moments going, look, I, I'm just telling you, I, I don't know if I'd be where I am. I don't know if I'd have what I have if I hadn't done it myself. And okay, God, well, yeah, thanks. But I, I think I played a pretty big role in this. Isn't it true that you and I intuitively view ourselves as owners? And Jesus is going to intrude in the conversation today and come back and say, guys, you were never owners. You were always, you ready? You were always managers. And if you go through this life believing that you are an owner and acting like a behold, an owner and making the decisions of an owner, then you will live your life just like everyone who belongs to this planet. And he's going to invite us to a completely different way of thinking that may be very alien uh, to many of us. So grab your Bibles because Jesus has this conversation. And it's in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. And if you're... Uh, not familiar with your Bibles today, if you go to the back of your Bible, you work to the left, you're going to find this book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, first three books of what we call the New Testament, Luke chapter 12. And while you're getting there, let me, let me just say this about this passage. I read this particular passage that you and I are about to do together for years and went, I'm not sure I understand what Jesus is teaching. I, I, I don't get it because it's very obvious when you read the passage that, deep, that Jesus is deeply frustrated with this guy. And at the end of the day, I go, I, I'm not sure why Jesus is mad. I, I, what, what's the point uh, that Jesus is trying to make? So as we get, read through it, just look and see. Maybe you can see what it took me a long time to figure out about this passage. So here it is. It's Luke uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Here's what it says. Someone in the crowd said to him, talking about Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And then he told him this parable. 
And you get what a parable is. A parable is a moment in which Jesus tells us a story that is intended to reveal a deeper truth to us, to bring you and I greater insight about life. And so he tells this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and, the big, and build bigger ones, and there I will store up all my grain and my goods, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then, you will get what you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Now, guys, I, on first reading, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm not sure why Jesus is so frustrated with this. It, it sounds like the American dream, right? I mean, this guy apparently has been wise with his investments. He's, he's thought through, uh, you know, his strategy, for, and it's paying off. His work, his effort is paying off big time, and now he simply says, well, hey, now that I've, you know, I'm getting some in, I, I better be wise about it. You know, I don't want to just leave it laying out on the ground, so I'll tear down the old barns, I'll build bigger barns to hold, you know, this windfall that's even greater than I expected. And now I've got a chance to retire and live pretty easy. This, this just sounds like the American dream. And why is Jesus so deeply frustrated with this guy? Here's the answer. He's thinking like an owner. Every question he's asking, every conclusion he's coming to are the conclusions of an owner. And Jesus is about to just take everything that we've ever thought about this to introduce, you ready? An alien concept, a, a something that we would have never, never thought of on our own. And here's what he's going to say. You are not owners. You never were. You're managers. That, that every bit of your time, every bit of your talent, every bit of your financial resource that has been given to you was never yours. It was given to you to manage for the kingdom, to do something with it that would have eternal significance and eternal value. It wasn't about you. You're not the owner. It was about management. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles again, hop a little bit over, because Jesus is going to have the second half of this conversation, and it's going to be a little bit to the left in your Bible, and it's Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Here's when Jesus begins to unpack the whole manager side of this conversation for you and me. Matthew chapter 25, let's take a peek in verse 1. Here's what it says, you ready? At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. Now here's what you need to know. Anytime you read your Bible, anytime that you're in Scripture, and Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. What Jesus is doing in that moment, he's saying, look, 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 look. 
I'm about to show you something. I'm about to reveal something to you that is absolutely counterintuitive to the world. This is different than how everybody else lives. And if you want your life to count, if you want your life to matter, if you really want to do the things that are important, then you live like the kingdom and not like this world. Because, because, ready? Because you do not belong to this world. You're aliens. You're only here for a short time. So live like you don't belong to this world. Live like you belong to the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like. Now skip down. Verse 14. And again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, and to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now, did you get the phrase? He entrusted. Say that for me real quick. Entrusted. Okay, that was bad. All right. Count of three. One, two, three. Entrusted. And in this one here, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't pass ownership. Didn't say, hey, this is yours. He gave them a trust. He took his possessions, put it in their care, and trusted them to do something remarkable with it. He entrusted them, not as owners, as managers on his behalf. Back to the passage. Verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work. Now, when it says his money, what does it mean? Does it mean the money of the guy who had five talents? Is it his money? Or is it still the owner's money? Because here's the deal. How you answer that question will change your behavior. It's a big deal if ownership is transferred. So also the one with two talents gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid, you ready? His master's money. You get, you get that your time isn't your time. It's his time. You get that whatever capacity, whatever abilities you possess, math comes really, really easy. You're a talented singer. Somehow when you speak, people listen and follow. Whatever capacities you have, you realize they're not your capacities. They're his capacities. You have simply been entrusted with them. And here's the deal. You and I, if you stop and think about it, you and I intuitively know that all of those things have come from God. We know this deep down in our hearts, even if we're reticent to admit it. Do this. Go to the funeral of a 10-year-old. 
What's the question everybody asks? Why didn't God give him more time? Because at the end of the day, here's what we already intuitively in our hearts know, that every single day comes from God. And our question at the funeral of a 10-year-old is, why did God allow it to be short? Why didn't God give him more days? But isn't this the answer? That you and I know that every day we live and breathe is God-given. And it's not mine. It's entrusted to me. See, we know, we know this about our abilities, too, if you stop and think about it. Think, think about a junior high boy whose dream is to play in the NBA. And he's, he's doing well, and he's really, really skilled, and everybody thinks well. And then he gets to high school, and growth stops at five foot six. And who does he get angry at? He goes, God, wait, wait, wait. I had all these plans. Why didn't you, why didn't you let me get taller? I can never get there from here. Why? Because the reality is you and I intuitively know that those talents weren't of our picking and our, they were given or withheld according to God's will. And guys, which means, ready? You and I were never the owner. We were entrusted with our time, with whatever talents and abilities and capacities God gave us, and with whatever financial resources God put on our plate, they were given to us and not, ready, and not as owners, but as managers. Back to the passage. 17, verse 17. So also the one with two talents gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money And after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. And watch this principle. Watch this. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came to the master and he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. But his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then, then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Look, I knew. I knew that you were expecting me to do so. I knew that you wanted me to leverage something. Look, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. Here's what belongs to you. I wonder what Jesus would say, hiding my talent in the ground is. I mean, what would qualify for that? I wonder if taking all of my time, all of my God-given capacities, taking whatever financial resources he gives and using it all on myself would qualify as hiding it in the ground. 
Verse 26. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servants, so you knew that I harvested where I did not sow, and I gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. You realize, you realize the two servants who got it right, got it right for this one reason. They realized, you ready? We are not owners. We are managers. And it is our duty to leverage what God has given us for something that has eternal payoff. So guys, I'm just going to tell you, this takes how you and I have behaved, this takes how you and I have thought all the way up to, and just sticks it on its head. And, and so for the next few minutes together, I just want to process, how would a manager think and how would a manager behave? And, and what if you and I began to think this through differently? And here, here's what I was going to say to you. As, as we go down this list, and I've got a couple things, as we go down it and you go, wow, I never thought that way before. I've never behaved like that. Then here's what I'm going to tell you. Because you thought you were an owner. And it's time. It's time to begin to think like a manager if our lives are ever gonna count. So here we go. What does a manager say? What does a manager do? Number one, you ready? Managers ask this simple question. What would the owner want me to do? Given this moment, given this opportunity, given the talents that I possess, what, what would the owner want me to do right now? I'm nine years old, and some of you know my story. My parents had divorced. My uncle uh, would invite me over for the summers to work with him mowing lawns. Now, he'd want me to tell you today, it was a professional lawnscaping service, not just mowing lawns. Uh, but I began to work for him during the summertime. My uncle would pay me, you ready for this? $2 a day, probably because that's about all I was worth at nine years of age. I remember my first day on the job, and I got there, and I jumped out of the truck. I went, I mowed the yard. I got back in the truck. And my uncle decided to express to me what he thought of my nine-year-old mowing of the yard. Now, mind you, at this point, uh, my uncle is a Christian. He's a Christ follower. He just seemed to be able to forget it at certain points. <laughs> and so as he began to share with me, it went something like... <laughs> I remember being ticked out of my head. I remember thinking, how dare he? I mean, I just went out, I did my best job. How dare he criticize me? I rode for a lot of that day in anger with my uncle. And somewhere, somewhere between the first yard and the eighth yard, I started thinking different. I thought, you know, my uncle's actually the owner If I mow a yard poorly, it's actually his reputation on the line. 
Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mow a yard just like he said. I'm going to take the mower as close to the edges as I can. My lines are going to be perfectly straight. I'm going to mow exactly like he did, only better. And I determined in my heart that I was going to be the best member of his crew, bar none. And we would pull up to a house, and my uncle typically would do all of the edging and trimming and then blow off and clean up all the sidewalks. And my goal as a nine-year-old boy became, I am going to mow that entire yard, load my machine up, and be sitting in my seat ready to go before he can get done with his part of the job. Fast forward. I'm 16 years old. I decided it was time for me to get a real job that would show up on my resume. So I called my uncle up and I said, hey, I'm not coming this summer. I'm not going to be there. Uh, to mow, I'm going to get a real job. And he said, Lynn, please, please don't do that. And I said, well, no, I, you know, I need to have something, you know, I can put on a resume and it shows up and lawn mowing doesn't count. And he goes, Lynn, wh whatever you do, please don't do that. He said, I don't have anybody else on my crew who does what you do, who mows like you mow. And I just said, well, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to take this job. It's every morning, all summer long. And he said, here, here, what about this? I'll let you do your other job in the morning. Wherever I am at lunchtime, I will stop. I will drive across Phoenix. I will come and pick you up in Tempe if you'll work with me in the afternoon. Because whatever time I lose is worth it if you'll come work with me in the afternoons. How amazing would that be? How amazing would it be if you had a moment in which you had to say, hey, God, look, you know, it's, it's, it's been really, really good, but, you know, I, he goes, no, 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 no. Please, take more talent, because here's the deal. I, I, I can't trust anybody else to do what you do when I give talent. Hey, take, take more time. I'm just going to, like, take all of the distractions and all of the delays out of your day because I need you to have more time because what you do with your time is amazing. Look, I need to give you more money because what you do when I bless you is so, I can't trust anybody else the way I can trust you. How cool would it be to lay your head on the pillow at night and hear the applause of heaven? Because you did exactly what the master wanted you to do with the resources he gave you because you were a manager. There's a second thing that, uh, that managers process. And it's simply this. When God gives me more, okay, so when God increases in my life, it is not to raise my standard of living. See, this is interesting because so often you and I get an unexpected check or we get a promotion at work and we go, whoo, PS4, bigger TV. And guys, 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 guys look, 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 do not misunderstand me. I'm not preaching poverty here. And I'm not saying it's bad to have nice things. I've got a nice car and I've got a nice house. I'm just simply saying this, that when God begins to increase, when God gives you something greater. The first question of a manager is not, wow, how can I get something more for me? God, God doesn't give you and me more to increase our standard of living. You ready for this? He gives us more to increase our standard of giving. I 
Imagine this. Just, just imagine this for a second. Imagine it's the first day of school, and you send your son off. We'll call him Timmy. And Timmy comes home from his first day of school, and uh, you say to him, hey, Timmy, how did you like the lunch I made you? And kind of sheepishly, well, it was, it was pretty good. And you go, no, well, Timmy, I mean, you know, what did you like and what didn't you like? How, you know, tell me, because, you know, I could do something different tomorrow. He goes, no, it was all right. And you go, Timmy, what, you know, what, what are you not telling me? He says, well, I didn't, I didn't actually eat all the lunch. Well, what happened? Were you feeling well? You know, what? Well, no, there was this boy, Jeffrey, who's in my class, and I knew he came from a family that didn't have much, and when we got to lunch, I looked, and he didn't have hardly anything, and so I gave him some of my lunch. In that moment, you know what you're saying to yourself? I am the best parent ever! I have landed this thing. If my kid never does anything else right, I win. <laughs> hey, when you pack your son's lunch the next day, what are you going to do? Huh? An extra sandwich. An extra sa you're going to pack a little more, right? Why? Because here's, here's what you think to yourself as a parent. You go, look, 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 I've got the coolest son, and I'm going to pack a little, so, so that he has plenty to eat himself. I don't want him to do without, but that he also has plenty to share. Why is it so hard for us to believe that about God? Why is it so hard for us to get the moment that God says, look, 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 I didn't give you more so that you could eat it yourself. I, I gave you more so that you could bless with it. And if you will go, I will make sure you don't go hungry. Matter of fact, I'll probably give you more so that you can share more. Why is this so easy for us to get as parents and so hard for us to grasp as adults? Because let's just be honest, we don't believe this one bit about God. Who likes cookies? Come on, who likes, you like cookies? Do you? Come on, come on. You shouldn't have raised your hand. <laughs> yeah, you work in Kids Connection. You should have known this was gonna, yeah. So right here's the stairs. You love this, don't you? You shouldn't have sit on the front row. Okay, Eileen, right? Okay, all right, so Eileen, you like cookies. Yes, okay, so this is your lucky day. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. God gives you and I this big old honking plate of cookies. And we're like, man, that's totally cool, God. That's so great. God gives me a whole bunch of cookies to have. I must be pretty special. And then here's the weird part. Here's the part. Then God comes back and he says, I want a cookie back. Really? A cookie back? Why did you give it in the first place if you just wanted it back? And then watch what we do. God, I'm not sure I can afford a cookie for you right now. So here's what I'll do. 
You take that for now. And then when I finish the plate of cookies, I'll see what's left and then we can work on it. And then we look at Eileen and we go, you don't have any cookies. What's wrong with God? Why didn't he give you any cookies? He gave me a bunch of cookies. Why didn't he give you any cookies? Let's pray. Let's just pray. Dear God, would you help Eileen? You seem to have forgotten her cookies. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope God does something about that. Because I got isn't it true that we're pretty sure these cookies belong all to us? It's completely foreign to our thinking that maybe God gave us cookies so that we could bless others. And we hold them like this. No, come on. You have to share. Okay? All right. Principle number one, managers say, hey, I wonder what the owner wanted me to do. Principle number two, God does not increase my plate. To increase, ready? To increase my living status. He increases my plate to increase my giving status. Final, final thought of a manager. You ready? If your plate is too small, and let's just be honest, most of us in the room go, Lynn, I, I, I don't have time. I am so busy. Are you kidding me? And so when people at church go, wow, would you serve or could you? I go, you, you don't understand my schedule. I, I, my plate is way, 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 way too small. I don't have time to give like that. Some of us look and go, man, I wish God would have given me abilities like them. I wish I could sing like her. I wish I, wish I could lead like that person. And I, God just apparently gave me like nubby abilities. I don't know. I just, many of us go, I, Lynn, I just don't have the finances. I, I don't, I, I'm barely paying my bills. How would I ever be generous? I mean, how? If your plate is too small, is it possible? Is it possible it's because the last time God trusted you, you let him down? That the last time God said, here's some time, here's some capacity, here's some finance, the last time God put something in here in my stewardship, we didn't manage it very well. I've got a friend, and uh, he came walking into my office. This is back. And uh, I had just gotten... Um, a speaker system for my iPod. And uh, he came in, he said, hey, uh, I'm staying a little bit late today, could I borrow, you know, the speaker system? And I said, well, you know, I would normally I'd be fine, but here's the deal, I totally like wired it up, you know, behind my bookshelf and, did, and the bookshelf's like cr incredibly heavy and so, it, you know, it takes two people to move it out and get to it and plug it all back in and, you know, it's kind of a big deal. And he goes, no, 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 no. 
just let me use it, and then I'll put it all back. It'll be completely there in the morning when you get back, you know, to your office. And I said, well, you know, I'm good with that. Okay. So he borrowed my iPad, iPod speaker thing. I come back in the next morning. Anybody want to guess? It's not there. So I go walking down the hall to my friend, and I said, hey, uh, you know, what happened? iPod speaker thing. And he goes, oh, I took it home. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll have it back. I'll have it back tomorrow. Three weeks. And when my friend finally brought it back, he didn't bring it back to my office. He brought it back to my home. So guess who had to move the bookshelf, take all the wiring back through the back, put it in and move the back bookshelf back in place? Two days later, my friend comes walking in the office and says, hey, can I borrow the iPod speaker thing? Anybody want to guess? <laughs> no! Because, because, you ready? Because the last time I trusted you, you were not faithful with the trust. Is it possible? Is it possible the reason your plate's too small, that you don't have any time to invest in the kingdom? Is it possible that the reason you feel like, man, I, just, I, I don't think I've got the talent, I can't possibly do it, I don't know where I would ever... Is it possible the reason you're constantly struggling with your finances and there's just not enough to give back to God is because the last time he trusted you, you didn't steward it well. And his answer is simply, I can't afford to entrust you again. And what would it mean for some of us in this room today to simply say, hey God, would you give me another crack at it? This time, I would remember that I'm not the owner, that I'm the manager. And I would do it the way you would do it. And I, and I would understand that whatever you gave to me wasn't to increase my standard of living, it was to increase my standard of giving. I'm not the owner. Now, with that in mind, you ready for this? Go back with me. Grab your Bibles real, real quick. Go back with me to Luke chapter 12. After the discussion that you and I have had, remember that passage that didn't make any sense and we're going, what? And I'm not sure why Jesus was so upset with that guy. What's going on? Look at this passage through the eyes of a manager. Peel away the scales of an owner. Here it is, Luke chapter 12. Starting in verse 13, let me read this, ready? Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man who appointed me judge or arbiter between you. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. 
I will tear down my barns, and I will build bigger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and my goods, and I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Boy, it looks really different in the eyes of a manager. The most powerful thing that some of us could do today is transfer ownership. Just, just simply take a moment and say, God, I get it, I get it. It was never mine in the first place. I am not the owner. I'm a manager. Let's bow our heads. I, I just want to give you a moment right where you're at. I want to give you the opportunity to get this straight. And to just take a moment before God and go, look, I, I just got to be honest, God. I have been operating with a man or an owner's mind. I, th I thought all of my time and all of my capacities and abilities and all of my financial resources, I thought I was the owner. I thought they were for me. And I get it. They were never mine. They were simply entrusted to me with the amazing hope that I would do something eternal for you. And so I'm just, I'm just gonna transfer ownership back. I'm gonna simply take title to all of it and give it back to you. And then, if you'll give me another crack at this, I'm gonna manage for your glory. I'm gonna manage to hear the applause of heaven. Dear Lord Jesus, we struggle so hard with this. It is so counterintuitive how we were raised. It's, it's so different than how the rest of the world behaves. God, if we did this, we really would be aliens. This would, this would make us so different than the world we live in. And yet we know, we know from the very bottom of our hearts it was never ours. It has always been yours. And so we're simply passing the title deed back. We're simply in this moment saying, my time is not my time. My gifts and my abilities are not my gifts and my abilities. My money, my money is not my money. I have been absolutely stewarded, entrusted to do something eternal for you. And that's what I'll do. That's what we will do. In Jesus' name, amen.